This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I'm going to invite you to turn your Bibles to two openings of Scripture, Isaiah chapter 1 and Isaiah chapter 55. We started last uh, Sunday morning, if you were with us, you may recall that we started a series uh, entitled Financial Freedom for the Last Days. Now, let me make a couple of comments while you're finding these uh, opening scriptures. First of all, the church isn't in need of money. Doesn't mean we're going to stop taking offerings. But we don't have a special purpose behind this in that uh, we're, you know, starting a building fund or anything like that. We're, um, uh, my purpose behind this is not to get the church more money, is to get you more money. If there's one thing that we know for sure uh, about these last days, about these days that we live in, is that people are in trouble. People are hurting. The statistics and the, the reports that we get, the average family has lost thousands and thousands of dollars of their savings because of the economic conditions that we're in. And I've noticed that none of my people that send me bills each month really care about that. Those bills keep coming. And there are some things that, quite frankly, I've just been hesitant to say because um, the spirit of the world now is contrary. Well, I'm going to quit beating around the bush and just say it, okay? All right. The modern-day attitude is to hate rich people. Yet God promised to make you one of them. So what are we supposed to do? One of the things that, that I really have on my heart in teaching this is to inform you or remind you, hopefully you already know some of these things, but some of these things I, I'm sure you won't be aware of. There are some things that the Lord has, has dealt with me about and, and uh, impressed upon my heart that even though I've been studying this, this subject for years and, and known what the Scriptures say about this subject for a long, long time, I'm seeing some things in a new light. There's one thing specifically that I want to talk to you about this morning that the Lord spoke to me that I've never even thought in those terms. And, uh, and so consequently, I want to make you so aware of what the Word says, so aware of the promises of God, so that you're not ashamed when God makes you rich. Because that is the promise of God. Have you found Isaiah chapter 1 yet? Notice what Isaiah 1 says. We'll start reading with verse 18 so we can get the context. God's saying through the prophet Isaiah to his people, by the way, he's speaking to Israel, his servants, but you'll see that it has a New Testament uh, uh, application as well, a modern-day application to those of us that are in the church. It says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now let me ask you a question. How could the Old Testament people get that? Some people take this automatically and say, Well, you're using your text scriptures from Isaiah. Yeah, I am. But is he talking to the Jews? He said, though your sins be red as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. How could they get that in the Old Testament? They couldn't. There's only one way that they had access to anything regarding their sins, and that was through the Day of Atonement, the shedding of blood on the Day of Atonement, and that caused their sins to be covered for one year, but never wiped away. He didn't say those things that are like scarlet, those sins that are like scarlet shall look like snow. He said they shall be. So he's talking about redemption. He's talking about the removal. He's talking about the work of Jesus to remove sin from those that make Jesus the Lord of their lives. 
So don't tell me this is just for the Jews. This is for the church. Amen? You with me? All right. With that in mind, in that context, what does verse 19 say? In the context of the New Testament, the context of redemption through the blood of Jesus, he says, I'm reading from the King James, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Now, I've looked this up in, in anywhere from 150 to 170 something uh, different translations. The reason I say that is because the, the translations that I have, uh, uh, it's, it's kind of a conglomeration in some ways. And so it, it's not an accurate, an, an absolute count. But everyone says just about the same thing. Every one of the translations that I've got, every translation that I've seen and can get a hold of, says something to the effect of you'll eat the best that the, the land can produce. Turn with me over to Isaiah 55. We've got a promise where God said that he, we would eat the good of the land, and literally that means He'll make us rich if you'll be willing and obedient. If you'll, God said, if you'll let me, if you'll uh, let me help you, and if you'll obey, then I'll make you rich. How many of you? I'm not asking for a show of hands. So I'll say it this way: so many times when we say things like that, when I make statements like that, I can feel it. I can feel there's resistance that rises up. Why? The resistance is there is because of the spirit that's in the world. The resistance is there is because we've been taught, we've been indoctrinated by religion, not by the Bible, but by religion. We've been indoctrinated that money is not a good thing. Well, it's good when you need it to pay your bills. It's good when you need it to buy your kids clothes. It's good when you need it to put food on the table for your family. So what's this religious notion that we have that money's not a good thing? The Bible talks about God increasing you with goods, not bads. Stuff is called goods. Why? Because it's good to have what you need. So you need to be you need to be aware of if this resistance rises up, if this resistance has any part of you, there's something about your thinking that you need to change. And I say that in light of Isaiah 55, verse verse eight. Start with verse eight. Um, uh, verse 6, I'm sorry. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Now some people again are going to say, and this is again, this is religious indoctrination. Some people will say, yeah, that's Isaiah, that's to the Jews. Is it really? Isaiah 53 is talking about the Messianic chapter. It's talking about what Jesus will do on the cross. Isaiah 54 is talking about the results of redemption. No weapon will formed against you shall prosper. Isaiah 55 is talking about how we're supposed to live under the new covenant. Just because it was given to the Jews doesn't mean it was exclusively for them. So what does he say? He just told the unrighteous man to change his way of thinking. Anybody got a problem with that? Any problem with that whatsoever? Wicked people ought to quit thinking wickedly. That seems to fit, doesn't it? That's what verse 7 just said. Verse 8 now says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. What is he telling us? So many times, and I grew up with this idea in the church. I knew this, this scripture was in the, in the Bible. I heard this scripture from time to time in the church I grew up in. So what does this mean? You can never think God's thoughts. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His ways are higher than your ways. But doesn't the Bible tell us to be an imitator of God? Doesn't the Bible tell us to love like God loves? 
Well, why don't we say, well, his ways are higher than our ways, so we can never love like God. So Paul was just out of his mind when he said to love like God. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. That means you're going to have to change your way of thinking. Not woe is you, you'll never get there. But my thoughts are not your thoughts, so change your way from thinking like the world. Isn't that what Romans 12, 2 is talking about? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It must be possible, because the Holy Ghost said we could do it. Not only that, but the Holy Ghost told us to do it. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does renewing of your mind mean? It means literally, the words, Greek words literally means reversal by repetition. That means the more you think God's thoughts, the more you think what the Bible says, the more you think what the Bible says God thinks, the more you act the way the Bible says God acts, the more and more and more you are trained to be like him. Folks, what I'm trying to get across to you is you can think God's thoughts. You can act according to his ways. That's what he's telling you to do in Isaiah 55. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. So what does that mean? And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. What does that mean? That means if you're going to find out God's thoughts and find out God's ways, you can't find them out here on the earth. You've got to find them out from heaven. That means they don't come from the earth. Certainly we're here on the earth, and so we have to operate them here on the earth. But you don't find out about them from the earth. You find out about them from heaven. What do we have that's from heaven? The Word, the Bible, the Scripture. And then he's going to tell us how it works. Verse 10, For as the rain comes down and the snows from, comes from heaven and returns not there, but waters the earth. In other words, it doesn't go immediately back, but it, it accomplishes something. It waters the earth and makes it, the earth, bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. He's telling you the words are the way to know his thoughts. The words the way to know is ways. So shall my word be that goeth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. That means void of power. But it shall, here's what, it, here's, what it hap- here's what happens to it while it's here on the earth. It shall accomplish that which I please and prosper in the thing where I sent it. So the word is sent to accomplish and prosper. The word, scriptures, are sent to accomplish in the thing or the area that they pertain to. Healing scriptures accomplish healing. Salvation scriptures accomplish salvation. Provision scriptures accomplish provision. And then what happens? That's the watering of the earth. We're the earth in this case. It's the watering of God's people. The word comes down from heaven and waters God's people. And it's not supposed to return void. What does it do? It goes back with power. How does it go back with power? Because the only way it gets back is us speaking it. And that's the operation of faith. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. He said to pray that the will of God would be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Now we're talking about healing, so let's ask the question, what's the will of God concerning healing in heaven? Is there any sickness in heaven? then Jesus is saying that they, the disciples, should pray that the will of God in every area, including healing and sickness, should be done here on the earth just like it is in heaven. That would mean, therefore, for the people of God that they be free from sickness because that's exactly the way it's going to be when we get to heaven. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. 
To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. So it means we're supposed to think God's thoughts. Now, there's a lot of different ways we could go with this, but we're talking about financial freedom. We're talking about God's plan where finances are concerned. So we could certainly acknowledge that this means to think God's thoughts about finances. You're supposed to think God's thoughts about love. You're supposed to think God's thoughts about mercy. You're supposed to think God's thoughts about healing. You're supposed to think God's thoughts about peace. You're supposed to think God's thoughts about everything. But it certainly would include thinking God's thoughts about finances. And I would submit to you folks that the resistance that sometimes comes up when we use the word rich, and the Bible uses the word rich, when the resistance comes up, that means we're not thinking God's thoughts about finances. Well, we need to change that. We need to change that. Now, what are God's thoughts about finances? Well, we know that the first thing that God told Abraham was, if you follow me, I'll bless you. Proverbs says that the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. There's a rich that comes from the world that there's sorrow attached to. And don't think just that money in and of itself is going to make anybody happy. It doesn't. But there's a rich that God brings to you. That there's no sorrow to that. No sorrow to that. Well, what kind of rich is that? Well, Paul talked about it to Timothy. He said, charge those that are rich in this world that God gives us freely all things to enjoy. There's a rich that comes with enjoyment. Why? Because you got it God's way. So last week we looked a little bit at what God's plan was for his servants. He told Abraham, uh, follow me and I'll bless you. Go where I tell you to go and I'll bless you and the blessing of the Lord makes rich. The very next chapter, Genesis chapter 13 says, and God made Abraham or Abraham was exceeding rich in silver and cattle and gold. Now so many times the modern day world, church world, the, the religious world wants to spiritualize everything. We're, we're rich spiritually. That's fine. But I can't pay my house payment with that. If I don't transfer that spiritual rich into something that's, that's financial, how does that help me? Folks, I want you to understand, God did not promise Abraham a spiritual blessing. He said, you follow me and here's what I'll do for you. And what he did for him was material. That's one of the things that made it so hard when Jesus was raised from the dead for the Jews to recognize and to, to change everything about their material blessing to realize Jesus fulfilled that, so that means we can have the material blessing and Jesus. Instead, they were looking at Jesus saying, well, we're not going to give up this. This is Abraham's stuff. We're not going to give up the blessing of Abraham. Blessing of Abraham is to be rich and to be a blessing and other things like that. We're not Jesus? No. Abraham. That's why Paul had such a hard time with the Jews. Because all they could think was materially. That's all the blessing had been until Jesus came on the scene. Paul's trying to explain, no, we've got a better covenant. You've got spiritual treasure and the stuff that, the, that God gave Abraham too. And that was a hard sell. Turn with me over to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Remember where we started. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Let's see what the Bible says about being obedient. Deuteronomy chapter 28. So notice what Moses says, beginning in chapter one or chapter 28, verse 1. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. He's talking about obeying, isn't he? Observe and do means obey, doesn't it? 
If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Let's see what he says. Here's what, here's what happens if you obey. This is the old covenant. This is the obeying the law of Moses. This doesn't mean you and me. We've got one law now, and that's the law of love. So the same thing that they're talking about applying to keeping the Ten Commandments or the law of Moses applies to us if we keep the law of love. Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. And all the law is fulfilled in this. So here's what happens to us if we walk in love. Verse 2, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. Everybody say overtake thee. You know what it means when you overtake somebody? You catch them. It doesn't say, and these things you shall pursue and get a hold of. It says, these are the things that will overtake you. In other words, our attention is to keep the law of love. These things catch up with us. Not, not to pursue the blessings, not to pursue the things. So again, it's talking about where our heart is, right? Talking about keeping our heart on the right thing instead of on the wrong thing. That's always going to be the case, folks. And some people are going to miss it. And don't let some other people missing it keep you out of the blessings. All these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, and the increase of your kind, and the flocks of your sheep. Blessed shall be the basket and the store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. Now, folks, this word blessed is the same thing that God told Abraham, if you'll go where I tell you to go, I will bless you. And Abraham became very rich in silver and cattle and gold. Why? Because the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. So now he's saying, if we'll obey, if we'll keep the commandment of love, the New Testament commandment of love, all these blessings will be ours. You'll be blessed in the city. Well, I don't live in the city. Okay, you'll be blessed in the field. You'll be blessed in the basket. Well, I don't have a basket. Okay, then you'll be blessed in the store. You'll be blessed coming in. I don't like to go in. Well, all right, you'll be blessed going out. Folks, he's talking about people being blessed no matter what they do or where they are. In other words, the blessing doesn't just belong to the Jews if you're living like them. It belongs to anybody and everybody that will follow the law of love by making Jesus the Lord of their lives. This is the Old Testament type that's fulfilled in Jesus. Don't tell me this has been done away with. Jesus fulfilled it, but the blessing is still ours. He goes further. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. Folks, that's still true. So many times people come and they say, Oh, Pastor Mike, pray because my boss is doing this. Folks, your boss is not your enemy, ever. He may be influenced by the devil, and the devil's your enemy, sure. But don't worry about that. Yeah, but what if I lose my job? Well, the Bible says you'll be blessed going out. I mean, where else would that better apply than going out from a job? That's what it says, isn't it? Oh, Pastor Mike, you're just playing with words. No, I'm believing the word. Verse 8, the Lord shall command. Please notice the word command. It didn't say you might. It said the Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand unto, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God gives thee. He won't bless you in everybody else's land, but he'll bless you in yours. I can't expect to be blessed in somebody else's church, but I sure can't expect to be blessed here. Because this is the land God gave me. You're the land God gave me. So I can expect my land to be blessed. 
I can expect my flocks and my herds to be multiplied. That's people. I can expect my silver and gold to be multiplied. This is my land. You're my land. That means you. I expect my people to increase. My job is to teach them to do right when they do increase. Same word blessing God promised Abraham that made him rich, exceeding rich in silver and cattle and gold. Same word. Same word that says blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. Same word. Oh, but that was just for the Jews. No, it wasn't. The Bible even says that not all of those that are children of Abraham, the natural descendants of Abraham, is Israel. In other words, what people say is the blessing of the Jews didn't even belong to all the natural descendants of Abraham. They belonged to those that make Jesus the Lord of their lives. That should have made you a lot happier than that. Verse 9, the Lord shall establish thee a holy people unto himself, as he has sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways. Talking about obedience. Obedience to the law of love. And all the people of the earth, all the people of the earth, all the people of the earth shall see, shall see. Now, if you look up this word see, it has something to do with the eye. It literally means there will be evidence. All the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee. They shall have respect unto thee. How are they going to see it? He just said he'll bless you coming in and going out in the city and the, the, the field, the basket and the store. What do you think they're supposed to see? They're supposed to see that God takes care of us like nobody else on the face of the earth. They're supposed to see that God provides for us like nobody else is provided for. That's what he's been talking about, isn't it? Verse 11. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods. Is there any way that the word plenteous can mean anything other than rich? So he's talking about the world seeing something, talking about material possessions, the world seeing something in us that God takes care of us, and then says, and the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods. Folks, I want you to understand, I haven't made many comments yet. I'm just reading. I plan to make some comments if I get to them. But if I don't, reading's still good. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods. Again, please notice it's not bads, they're goods. No matter what religion tells you, stuff is good. And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, in the fruit of your body. And in the fruit of your cattle. Please notice that your family's first. Did you notice that? The Bible talks about God's provision and he says family's most important. Well, that's certainly true. Who cares if you got all the money in the world and your kids are out running around doing drugs? And the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods, and the fruit of thy bottle, and the fruit fruit of thy bottle, the fruit of thy body, and in the fruit of thy cattle. And in the fruit of thy ground, in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to give thee, the Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure. Now, folks, please understand. It's almost like he's saying, and if that's not enough, God will do more. He'll open the heavens to you. Okay, so no question that up to verse 12, he's got to be talking about material things. Now verse 12 starts talking about something that comes from heaven. 
He said, the Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven, to give the rain unto thy land in the season. My goodness, even the stuff that comes from heaven makes us rich. Even the stuff that comes from heaven rains on the land to give us more stuff. I don't know about you folks, but God is not a stingy God. He's identifying himself. Now remember, his thoughts are not your thoughts. So if you've thought God is stingy because of the way you've been raised or the wrong, wrong teaching or whatever it is, I understand. I, I came from some of that myself. I get it. But whether you hold on to that thinking now is your responsibility. Because God's telling you who he is. Your choice what to think about him. Your choice how to act toward him. But he's telling you who he is. And there's no way for you to know except for him to tell you. So the Lord shall open to thee his treasure. His good treasure. The heaven to give rain unto the land in this season and to bless all the work of thine hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations and thou shalt not borrow. He is not saying it's wrong to borrow. If it was wrong to borrow, it would be wrong to lend. If borrowing is a sin, the lending would be part, part, taking a part in or partaking in somebody else's sin to borrow. He's not saying it's wrong to borrow. He's saying you won't have to. He's saying because he'll make you plenty and goods, your silver and gold will multiply, all these other things that he's promised to you, blessed in the city and blessed in the field, basket and store, going in, coming out, coming in, going out, all these other things that we've read. He's saying you'll have enough. He'll make you plenty and goods. You'll have enough where you won't have to borrow. You can lend to nations. You can lend to nations. Folks, I would submit to you that a lot of America's trouble is because we are now borrowers of other nations. Thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. The Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail, and thou shalt be above only. I love that only. Thou shalt be above only. And thou shalt not be beneath. Folks, the Bible says that the borrower is subject to the lender. God does not want you subject to anybody. If you're subject to anybody under any circumstances, then that means you don't have the freedom to act when God tells you to act. The Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. Thou shalt be above only and thou shalt not be beneath. If that thou shalt hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God which I command thee this day to observe them. Then the rest of the chapter, he talks about what will happen if you don't do it. There's all kinds of stuff about how you'll plant a lot of seed in the field and none of it will come up. Anything you do with your hands won't produce. Talks about sickness, talks about disease, talks about a lot of stuff for the rest of the chapter. All as a result of disobeying, disobeying God's word. Remember Isaiah 119. If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. So he says, here, here it is. Here it is right here. Here's the blessing of Abraham. That is the blessing of Abraham identified, explained specifically by Moses to the children of Israel. The modern day church thinks much differently about finances than what the Bible reveals to us about God's thoughts on the subject. Therefore, I want to challenge you to dare to believe God's word to be true in your life concerning finances. He wants you to be abundantly supplied. He just wants to make sure that our hearts are always fixed on Him. Thanks for watching today and come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. 
or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Love covers a multitude of sins, the Bible says. It overlooks a lot of things that are done wrong to it. You know, this, it's interesting because the Bible talks about grace and mercy together in a lot of places. You know what grace is? Grace is where God gives you what you don't deserve. You know what mercy is? Mercy is where God doesn't give you what you do deserve. And the love of God is both gracious and merciful. God gives you what you don't deserve, and He doesn't give you what you do deserve. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.